Hello, soccer players. Welcome to this latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It is me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Sebastian. Sebastian, how are you doing today, bro? Doing well, doing well. Ready for the weekend. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. It, it's early on a Friday, you know, we out here, we, we're doing our thing. Um, good matches this weekend, I think. Do we have Arsenal-Liverpool? Arsenal Liverpool, okay. let's go. Okay, yeah, and yes, Classico next weekend, I think. So, um, good yeah. games. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Barcelona's in first place. Yeah, that's true. First place with no center backs, <laughs> which we'll get to in in a little bit. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, but uh, today we have a, a, an interesting episode. Um, we're escaping our world of football. We're going over to American football for a little bit. And we're going to discuss something that was, you guys have probably seen it by now. If not, you should definitely look into it. Um, American football, Miami Dolphins quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, and um, his concussion case. And um, yeah, I I thought it was a very interesting one from start to finish. And I I think this, unfortunately, was a, a really good example of what to do, what not to do, and how everything at the the level of professional sports is is a little bit tough to manage when you have a concussion. So, Sebastian, like after seeing all that, like one, can you kind of break it down as to what happened on what day, and and two, what are your general thoughts on on the injury? Yeah, for sure. So, to uh, th- this would be a, a little like a week and a half now. So Tua had an initial uh, injury during a game on a Sunday, and from the from the TV screen, it looked like he had a concussion. But obviously, we're not there to diagnose it. Um, it looked like he had a concussion, but then he ended up coming back in the second half. Um, they ended up playing fine. I believe they won that game. But then they had a game Thursday night, so about four or five days afterwards. An NFL concussion protocol, I think, runs like minimum five days. So if he had been officially diagnosed with a concussion during that Sunday, he just wouldn't have been able to play on Thursday. Thursday comes along, and early in the game, he gets sacked. It looks like a normal tackle, but he, as he falls, he hits the back of his head on the ground, and then that's when a lot of people will see like, his fingers were all in a different position. And remember, I was watching next to my wife, and she was like, what? like what's wrong with his hands? What's going on? And in my head, I'm like, no, no, it's, it's like not, not something necessarily wrong with his hands. Like, he just had like a big concussion happen like just now. Um, so for, for, all, for all you guys out there, what, what happened is he, there's something called decorticate posturing. And that's something that happens after um, basically a, a big traumatic brain injury. Um, it, uh, basically, there's a block that happens between your brain and your spinal cord, and then your body gets this, this posture. And so if you're a medical provider and you're watching this, or at least like me, I was like, oh my gosh, like is Tua going to be okay? Because when that happens, it's scary. I, I believe it happened a couple of years ago with like a 49ers quarterback too. And I think they ended up being okay, but it's very scary to watch on our end. So it, I, I don't want to sit here and uh, pretend that I would do a better job of managing the situation than people did, but it was definitely scary to watch, uh, to say the least, knowing... I guess knowing what we know about like the brain and like how dangerous it is to have these injuries. What are your thoughts? Oh, it's, it's, it's a tough injury, man. And yeah, that, that whole thing with with his hands and and everything like that, with the decorderate posturing, um, 
it, it's a sign that something has happened to his brainstem, which is really severe. Um, for, for the non-medical listeners out there, there's kind of three-ish, we'll say, levels to your brain and the way it functions. Um, the top level is like your really high-level thinking that makes us human, that makes us do what we're able to do. That's like at the top. And then you have in the middle, you know, which is like your emotions and and things that smarter animals have that we also have. And then you have the very, very base, like your very primitive functions, things like thirst, hunger, um, making sure you eat, things like that that are very, very basic that every living organism has to do. Um, that's at the base of your brain, your brainstem. And the fact that damage happened there, it's very, very serious. And that's why he went to the hospital and everything like that to get checked out. Because if an injury happens there, it's very much life-threatening. So it's great that he got that checked out. Um, I'm always someone who's very interested in protocols in general. Because... In my head, I'm like, oh, if there's a protocol, that means there's rules. And I, I like to read the rules and, and see what happens. And in in this specific case, I, I think there was a little bit of a loophole because in the concussion protocol, it says that if an athlete goes down and there is a sign of gross motor instability then the athlete has to be removed. And in this case, it would have been that case where during his first concussion, he kind of got up, shook his head around, stumbled a little bit, fell forward, got back up with the help of his teammates, right? That's clearly gross motor instability. But what the protocol also says is that if that cause of gross motor instability can be related to an orthopedic issue, then the athlete does not necessarily have to be removed. And that's exactly what happened in this case. They said that the gross motor instability was due to back pain, thoracic back pain, which it's possible. You know, he's an elite athlete. He's a rotational athlete. Their their thoracic spine is probably tight all day. And maybe he did have a flare-up a few days earlier. And in that case, if you look at it rule by rule, it makes sense. Um, now, I, I still don't agree with it, but it, again, if you go by the letter of the law, there's you can make a, a, a genuine case that you know th- that the right thing by again by the law was done. Um, I, I think they recently fixed that within the last few days, so um, hopefully, it's not the case anymore. Yeah, I think they do have to fix that, or I'm glad they did. That was a great description, by the way. And uh, I was watching Thursday Night Football the other night, and uh, this Colts running back had a similar incident. He got tackled, looked pretty innocent, and he got up, and then he had sudden stumbling, and his linemen had to basically hold him up, and dude instantly had to come out without the rest of the game. Um, so I think all of this going on with Tua, and it's gotten so much attention, because it was the only game going on that Thursday night. So I don't think that these team physicians or physios, athletic trainers, I don't think they're going to take any risks. Like you look like you have a concussion, you're out. <laughs> like you're out and we're going to, maybe we'll lose the game because you're out, but 
am not willing to risk my career over you staying in this game right now. No, that's true. And, that's true. And and I think that that has to play a role in it, in that the the team physicians that are supposed to be like the spotters or the ones that are supposed to evaluate this that actually don't work for the team rather, but are actually contracted by the NFL. I think there's always a lot of pressure when you're when you're being paid to make sure that these athletes like can play. So you mentioned that loophole. If if you're that team physician, I think you're maybe are you're thinking, all right, well, like, you know, maybe we'll hold him out this game, but we won't say it was a concussion so that he can definitely play on Thursday. Because like I said, if, if the protocol would take him to like Friday, then he wouldn't even have been eligible for Thursday. Yep. So you kind of look for a way like, all right, well, we'll take care of him during the week. We'll make sure he's fine. We, we will double check for concussion, but we're not going to say it was just so that if he feels fine and there's really nothing going on, he'll be able to play Thursday. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot to, to say about that because the, not even always the players, but like the, the team physicians, the physios and everyone, like there's still a pressure of clearing someone to play because the team wants to do well. Tua is your franchise quarterback. You obviously less chance of winning, which in the NFL, you lose a game and that's huge. You lose one game and that's huge for making the playoffs or winning the division. So I just think that it's tough, right? Because how can you, obviously somebody has to pay you. Obviously, someone has to pay the physician. Um, and it's just a matter of trying to separate needing the team to win and player safety. Yeah. It's it's tough. It's really tough. And don't get me wrong. I, if somebody, you know, if we went back in time and somebody said, hey, do you want to go and uh, work this Miami Dolphins game and be a spot? Absolutely. I want nothing to do with that, if I'm being honest. Yeah, leave me out. Um, <laughs> It, like that's just me telling the truth and I'm, I'm really not sorry about it but um yeah it, it's a tough job because with at least every other injury I can think of in my mind I can ooh, practitioners can do tests right to say oh hamstring injury let's check this 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 and this if these aren't there then you can go play and if one or two of them are there, you can still play. And here's the risk of exactly what can happen. Yeah, and with concussion, there's no, there's no objective test for it. Um, you you have like the SCAT five. It's pretty much like a, a questionnaire that you can pull out and and give to the athlete to check their memory, check you know short term, long term, uh, all sorts of things, but these athletes are really smart and there are some people out there who have memorized the entire thing. So if you're asking, like I even know some of the words, elbow, apple, carpet, saddle, bubble. You know? <laughs> like if somebody asks me that when I'm concussed, like I, I will be able to sit them out, like spit them out. It's not, it's not an issue. And there are athletes that there's like six or seven variations of it. They have memorized every single variation, you know? So they're literally cheating, you know? So it's like, let's take the Tua case, right? Let's say he has that incident on the field. You take him to the locker and be like, oh, what was going on there? He's like, oh, yeah, my back locked up. Okay, let's continue on with our SCAT 5 testing. Go through the entire thing. It's clear. Okay, let's see you move around a little bit. Let's see you sprint. No exertional symptoms, or maybe they don't report any. Okay, 
coach comes up to me and says, can they play? What are you supposed to say? (laughs) You know, are you supposed to say, I'm not sure. Are you supposed to say yes? Are you supposed to say no? Are you supposed to say I'm in doubt? So let's sit him out. I don't want to be the one to tell an NFL coach. I'm not sure. So he can't play because we have to be safe. It's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you yeah. don't let him play and you lose, you might get fired because like, you lost the game and the team is now not going to make the playoffs. If you let him play, he gets injured again and you get fired because you let him in with a concussion. So yeah. yeah. There's, there's no winning there. And I, that's why like, there, there's some sympathy towards it. And I think it's just, it's, a, it's tough, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I hate to say it, I really do, but I, I would love to see how an NFL coach would react in the moment, let's say it's it's a it's a playoff game of when in doubt sit them out when they have literally passed everything. Yep. It, it's it it's tough. And I, I really think it's easier said than done. Um yeah. Again, I, I, I'm all for player safety. I, I think he should have been pulled and I hate that all of this happened, but I, I think it is tougher in the moment to make that the right decision. Yeah, I agree completely. It's just a tough situation all around. Um, seems like he's doing okay now, so hopefully he makes like a full comeback and just is healthy going forward. Yeah, yeah. But um, one thing I wanted to talk about just real quick for soccer players is just, just so you guys know the, the dangers of concussion. And if you ever yeah. have symptoms, it, you know, it, it's not worth playing if you have concussion symptoms. Like There are so many lifelong effects that could happen from a concussion or repeated concussions. Um, my biggest fear is, is always second impact syndrome. Mm. And so that's mm. when if you have a concussion and you haven't been out long enough and your brain hasn't fully healed yet and you then you play kind of like Tua did, you get another concussion or another hit to the head. And since your brain hasn't fully healed, it gets it very quickly swells up. Now, obviously, your brain is encased in your head, so there's not much room for, for swelling to happen. No. And so when this happens, there can be literally sudden death. Like, you you just die. Yeah. And so that, that's why I tell any soccer players I work with, like, if I think you have a concussion and it's up to me, like, you're you're not playing for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's very true. And It is, like, literally not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, if you're if you're at the youth level, um, just just you you look at the rates of how many from youth actually go professional, and you look at the rates of who's in youth and who's in school, and you're like, okay, well, you're all going to be in school. You could all probably play high level college if you're if you're at a, a good academy, and you're going to need that brain. That thing's important. Yeah. Um, yep there's there's no reason to risk your life over over a youth game and i i think that's doubly important at the adult level if you're playing amateur because you got a job dude (laughs) like you gotta you gotta go to work you you might have a family and you know there there are people that might rely on you you know and yeah you got your whole life and to risk it for an adult league match that's a no dog like that's that's just not gonna happen you know so exactly tough all around um 
But I, I think that's a real good discussion on, on concussions. And ho- hopefully you guys learned, learned a little bit something about it from this. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Barcelona's injury situation. Um, interesting case involving Sergio Arujo and, and his surgery that he recently had. So um, stay with us and we will be right back. Vitruve is a reliable, affordable, and easy-to-use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about Vitruve today. The Soccer Fitness Experience Podcast is an official partner of Concussion Corner Academy, a 12-week program designed for the working healthcare professional looking for top-notch educational content in the concussion sector. So if your rehab provider wants to learn more about concussion evaluation and treatment, check out the link in our show notes. All we ask is if you like what you see and want to enroll, use our affiliate link in the description to help support the show. Okay, we are back on the Soccer Fitness Experience Few interesting Barcelona injuries. They're, they're having a little bit of a crisis. El Clasico's in seven, eight days. Um, what's your take on their whole their whole situation right now? I think it's tough. So going into the season, they got all these center backs. They had, I think, two new center backs at least, maybe a third. Um, but they got uh, Christensen and they got Kunde coming in over the summer. And I was like, what are we going to do with like five, six center backs? Like that, that's too many. And then this little international break comes along. Mm-hmm. Christensen has a sprained ankle. What did um, Kunde have? Kunde has Achilles tendon issues going on. Mm-hmm. And Araujo has an adductor avulsion, mm-hmm. which is not going to take him out of the World Cup. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, man, is it, now is this freak injuries, which we always kind of talk about. Like you can never really fully control it. You can do everything in the world. You can do everything perfectly, and injuries are still going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, or was there actually a case of, you know, maybe it is too many games. They're trying to rush this whole season, and then they had an international break, and then they're going to play, like, what, like 13 matches or 10 matches in, like, five, six weeks. So, I don't, nothing to blame it on. It's just a tough situation. Yeah. How, can you go into a little bit of detail as to what an adductor avulsion is, and what's the expected timeline for a turn? Oh, yeah, so... With him, um, your adductors are essentially your groin muscles. And there's one, two, three, four, five of them, if I count correctly. And one of them is the most likely to be injured. And in my head, I'm like, okay, if it's the most likely to be injured, something tells me it's pretty important. And that one muscle, the adductor longus... Um, is what evolved on uh, Ronald Arujo. And what that means is at the either the proximal or the distal end, so either by the pelvis or by the knee, um, that tendon ripped away a, p- a portion of the bone, and it's kind of, you know, flowing out there a little bit, which is not good. It's not That's good at all. Sounds ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it does sound ridiculous. What's even more ridiculous is that... Um, he, he almost decided to not get surgery on it 
because the surgery would rule him out of the World Cup. Yep. Which it, that's that's tough to be in. Like that's that's actually picking between your club and your country, and that's that's really hard to do. But in this particular case, that decision had to be made. Uh, uh, some might compare it to the situation with um, uh, French center back Umtiti. Um, four years ago when he had that meniscus issue and he decided not to get surgery, played in the World Cup, won the World Cup, and ever since then his knee's kind of been not great. Um, this isn't exactly the same because in that case, you know, with a meniscus, you can kind of go in at most times. Like you can say, oh, I'll do surgery today. Oh, you know what? We'll do it in two weeks, do some rehab, whatever. With these tendon issues, that timeline is significantly shortened. Because if that tendon evolves and it's floating out there, it starts to retract and get shorter. And you can't necessarily take a tendon that's been floating in there, not attach anything and just reattach it later, right? It has to go back in its right spot. And that has to happen within a certain time frame. So um, that's maybe a factor as to why he maybe made a quicker decision. Because if he waited a little bit more, the decision would have made for him. But, um, yeah, it's looking like a, a December return for him, um, three to four months. So, Yeah, and he's still young. He's 23. So I think that it's, it's probably the best decision for his career long term. He could go to this World Cup, and if he didn't get the surgery, he might not be able to play because it hurts so much, or his body would just literally not move the same. You said yeah. it, right? It's like the most important of the groin muscles, basically or the adductor muscles. So if you're missing that or it's not working the way it should and you're trying to perform at like peak physical abilities, he he would probably be like he would probably get beaten by players trying to run around him because he wouldn't be able to cut as much or sprint at the same speed. And if you're Uruguay like yeah, maybe that's still good enough. But for his long-term career, I think he's making the best decision. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it makes sense. And even if you are Uruguay, like, are you really going to win the World Cup this year? Like, if if we're being honest, like, are you going to? It's not without him. Not not without him. Not with him. So, yeah. <laughs> if we're being real, but um, I think it, it was always going to be tough for them. So it, that's I think that plays a role too, right? If you're now yeah. if you're like a France starting center back. You know, you can go in and just be a sub, and your team's probably going to win the World Cup without you anyway, so you just want to be there. That, that's true. But then again, Copa America is in, what, a year and a half, two years, maybe even next year? They, it seems like they do it whenever they want these days. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, World Cup qualification starts in March. Mm-hmm. You need him for that. So maybe it's best for both club and country. So Yeah, I, I think long-term is the best decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I do think that it's definitely going to put Barcelona at a big disadvantage, having him potentially Koundé out. Now, Koundé said he's trying to be back for uh, the Clasico. So uh, so we'll see what happens. And, I mean, honestly, like, obviously I'm biased. I want Barcelona to win and, and all that. But I also do want to see the best team for, for both teams out there because that's mm-hmm. just such a fun game to watch. Yeah. And if you're going to have Vinny running down the wings and – and your center back pairing is like Eric Garcia and Gerard Pique, which, oh. you know, full, full respect, they're way better than I could ever dream of being, but they're also two very slow players right now. Yeah. Like they do not have high sprint speed. So if those are your two center backs, if you're Barcelona, you're like, oh my, like we need to literally have 99% possession or Benny's just going to run behind us the whole game. 
you know, after hearing that, I actually I'm no longer excited for next weekend. Vinicius Jr. versus Christian Schindler. <laughs> oh my god. Now we'll see. You know, Kunde might be back. Um, it'll be it'll be it'll still be a fun game regardless. And I think yeah. that if, if Kunde is back and we pair him with either uh, Garcia or a PK or even a Christensen, I think it'll be okay. 